Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. All right, so this is not the norm, us sitting in small group tables, so I'm just going to tell the eighth graders a little bit more. So we're going to talk, this is going to be a dialogue, a discussion that you're going to get to have with your groups, the the people at the table around you. So I'll say a little bit, and then I'll throw up a question, and you guys will get to talk about it. And then depending on whether or not our microphone works, I may ask you guys for some input, okay? But if not, I may ask the tables up here where I can hear some input, okay? So don't feel bad when I put up a question to talk because I want you guys to talk to each other, all right? All right. So this whole semester, this very long and cold, windy semester, we have been in a series called Becoming Human. And you've probably heard us say over and over again this line that we took from Eugene Peterson that we are most like God when what? When we are most human. Or we are most human when we are most like God. So tonight, we're still on that. We're still going to talk about that truth. And you guys in your connection groups talked about the story of who? David and Bathsheba. Okay, what a story. Can we just point out the obvious here of like how good God's sense of humor is that they're talking about the thing kind of happened because of a bath and her name's Bathsheba? It's just kind of funny to me. That's kind of funny. All right. So David, this guy that we've been talking about all semester, what, did, what do we know about him? We talked a couple weeks ago, and we've been talking this whole semester, that David was a young boy, the youngest of his brothers, and David was anointed to be king of Israel. Some people didn't like that. Some people cheered him on in that. And we also talked about David being a man after God's own heart. And so I don't know if you were listening to that audio and you're thinking, okay, I know David is this really awesome guy who follows God. I know he goes on to write Psalms, one of the biggest books that we have. And then, wait, what happened? What did he do? And I don't want you to harbor that thought. I don't want you to hinge on that and think, dang it, David. What? Because here's the reality, right? In the beginning, when we were created, we were created in the image of God to be good, right? He created us, and he said it was very good. And then from the beginning, what do we see us doing? We chose sin, right? And that has been a part of our narrative ever since, right? You can be a guy after God's own heart, a girl after God's own heart, but still sometimes that temptation to sin is there, and that's what is chosen, So first, first question right out of the get-go, okay? If we're going to talk about this idea of sin and what happened and what caused David to do this, I want you guys to first answer this question within your groups. What is sin? Okay, how do you come to understand what that means in your group? All right, start wrapping up your discussions. I like what I'm hearing. Okay. All right. We have someone who wants to tell us. What 
is sin. Abby? Abby Libby Duo? Sin is anything apart from God. Nod your head if your conversation was kind of that. Hayden? Okay, sin is lying. Okay. Okay. Nod your head if your conversation went that direction. All right. So we referenced what happened in the beginning, right? When we were created and when Adam and Eve chose to sin. Do you guys remember what happened exact, exactly after that? Right after that? They immediately were ashamed and hid, Right? You read in Genesis that God was walking with them in the cool of the day before that, but then they were afraid to even talk to him, eighth graders. They were kind of afraid like you are of the high schoolers, but they had no reason to be afraid. But then they were also, they also had to leave the garden, right? Because they had sinned, they had to leave God's presence. And so I love the definitions. And so for our time tonight, know that sin is anything and everything that separates you from God. Okay? Sin is anything and everything that separates you from God because God, because of his holiness, he can't be around it. All right? So David sinned with Bathsheba. But we're going to move on to the next chapter, okay? You can follow along on the screen as I read it. And we're going to hear about this guy named Nathan who comes to David. Nathan is a prophet, and he comes to David right after this has happened, okay? Right after he has taken Bathsheba as his wife. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had brought, bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Any of you have pets that are like family to you? Okay. Now a traveler, someone from out of town, came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and all Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Okay? God's like, I took care of you. Yet, you, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never deport, depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. And is anyone thinking, wow, I'm blushing. Like, 
Nathan comes to David, and David, what has he done before with his sin? He tries to do a couple of things from what I saw, okay? First, he sins with Bathsheba, and then he's like, oh no, like, I don't want to get caught. So what's he do? He calls for Bathsheba's wife, or husband, calls for Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, and he's like, hey, come back. You've, you've been in war. Come back and stay with your wife. And what does Uriah do? He's like, no, my men are out there, like, sleeping on the ground. Like, I'm not going to go home and sleep in a bed and be comfortable. So he sleeps outside the gate. So David tries again. He's like, come on, go home, go home. It's fine. So David's trying to conceal his sin, right? He's like, hey, if Uriah is with his wife, no one's going to know it was me, right? So he's concealing it. You know, if just no one knows, then maybe I won't uh, have to pay for my sin or get in trouble for it. But Nathan comes in and he says, David, that man in the story with the lamb, it's even more so because it's an actual human. Like it is a woman that you have taken from someone. And David's like, wow. So David conceals his sin. So I want you guys to answer this question. How do we as people conceal our sin? Maybe for you, it's, I'm not going to talk about it. Like, I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen. Like, I didn't say that bad thing about that person. For me, uh, in my life, I've very much taken that route. Like, I'm just not going to deal with it or think about it and pretend it didn't happen. What about for you? How do we conceal our sin so that others don't find out about it? All right. Begin wrapping up conversation. How do we conceal sin? Okay, we have a volunteer. Lexi, tell me. Okay, keep it to yourself and don't tell anyone. Nod your head if that's some of the things that were said at your table. Okay? Um, I'm going to guess that all of you guys are going to say the same thing. So I'm going to elect Mr. Mitchell. Blackmail. Nod your head if that was not part of the discussion at your table. (laughs) Yeah, do you guys feel like sometimes you, like, sin more just to, like, hide that one sin? I definitely found myself in that boat. Like, I'm just going to lie about it, and then I'm, like, continuing down the wrong way, right? All right. Good. Okay. So David tries to conceal his sin. Obviously, that didn't work very well for him because the Lord sent Nathan to confront him of his sin. But let's think back to the audio file. What else did David do? It didn't stop with just trying to bring Uriah home, right? David went to the lengths of having Uriah killed to conceal his sin. And so they come back, and Bathsheba hears word that your husband Uriah is dead. And in these times, mourning for that was very serious, and it took days, weeks. And so then, in the story, after Bathsheba mourns, David sins after her, and he comes and does what? Makes her his wife. So not only does David try to conceal what's happened, but he's like, well, that 
didn't really work. So now she's going to be my wife. And so David concealed the sin, but then he tried to legitimize it, right? He tried to make it like a real thing, like, oh, we're married and it's normal. She lives in my house now. And I don't know about you, I'm a very rational thinker sometimes. And when I was in junior high and high school, I would get myself turned in a whole knot in my brain. And I'm like, well, you know, this happens. I had to do this. Like, I had no choice. And, you know, I can just make this happen. And I rationalize it or legitimize it to make it, like, legit, right? Too legit to quit. What is that? I'm bad at that. David legitimized his sin. So talk amongst your tables. How do we legitimize our sin? What things do we do to make our sin seem, oh, it's just a natural byproduct of what happens? How do we legitimize sin? All right, begin to wrap up conversation. How do we legitimize sin? We belittleize our sin. I like that going with the word. So we make it smaller. We make it seem more insignificant than it is. Okay? Nod your head if that was something you guys talked about. All right. Artavia? Oh, okay. You make it seem normal because everyone else is doing it. Nod your head one way or another. Is that something you guys talked about? Hunter? Okay. You bend the story. Kind of make it seem a little better than it is. Okay. All right. So David, a man after God's own heart, fails, right? He gives into a temptation, gives into a sin, and then he tries to conceal it, and then he tries to legitimize it. But God sent Nathan to David. God sent Nathan to David because God had anointed David for a specific purpose, right? David had faithfully followed him. God had anointed him to be a king over Israel, to lead his people well. And so God sends Nathan on behalf of him. And I love that Nathan is so very poignant with how he speaks to David. When we first saw David, before he was anointed, He was out tending sheep, right? He was a shepherd in the fields. And so I love that God speaks our language when he's trying to get our attention. And so God sends Nathan to a shepherd to tell a sheep story, okay? At the moment that Nathan's talking to David, David isn't like, after he says, this is you in this story, David's not like, oh, I belittimize that, right? He's like, oh, wow, That is me. And David goes on and he says, I've sinned against the Lord. He surpasses saying, I sinned against Bathsheba. I sinned against Uriah. I sinned against their family. I sinned against the army. But I sinned against the Lord. And I love his response to that because it's not, yes, David is like, wow, I'm in the wrong here. But David turns it back to God and he says, I had a relationship with him, and I, that I, I caused fault between that relationship. And 
So Nathan, telling him a sheep story. This is, this is how God confronts David of his sin. And so I'm not going to give you a long time to think about it, and I don't want you to actually talk to it, the people around you. I want you to think in your mind, do you have people in your life that if they came to you and said, hey, I see something going on here, and I think maybe you're not doing stuff that's healthy or good for you, do you have people in your life that you would listen to? That if people in your life told you a shepherd, a sheep story, you would go, oh, I'm intrigued to listen, and then I'm intrigued to figure this out. Do you have people in your life like that? Think about it. Think about who those people are. You see, it took the story of a lamb, a slaughtered lamb, for a rich man to get David's attention and see the greatness and the immensity of his sin. And if you're making the connection in your mind, it took the story of the slaughter of the lamb that allows us to see the greatness and, and immensity of our sin too. Because very easily we can find ourselves in the position of David, right? David, all the kings are off to war, but David stays home. And David, you know, he's sleeping in, he's walking out on his roof, just kind of asking for trouble, like, because he's not doing anything, he's not with his army. And I don't want you to feel discouraged, because as you go out, next week's our last week, as you go out into summer, and you're kind of on your own, you're not like here on Wednesday nights with your friends, I don't want you to feel discouraged that, oh my gosh, like, I'm going to be in big trouble But use the story of David to know that David was human, and David made mistakes. But when David was confronted with his sin, and when David was confronted of his wrongs, he didn't take this posture of not a big deal, but he was heartbroken at what he had done and said, I have sinned against the Lord. But just like God sent Nathan to David and to confront him, God sent someone to us too to show us our sin in the big picture of things. And God sent Jesus. But Jesus didn't go, you're terrible, whatever, and like leave him, right? And Nathan didn't do that either. He told David this truth and promise that, David, you're not going to die because of your sin. Your sin is forgiven. And that is exactly what Jesus tells us too. You can sit and be worried about the sin and just keep repeating that cycle that leads to not an abundant life, but leads to death. Or you can say, okay, I'm confronted with this, and I get it, and I'm going to accept the goodness that Jesus has offered, and I'm going to accept that I can take ownership of what I've done, but I don't have to be defined by that, and I can continue to follow God and love him. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue worshiping. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he has done. Thanks for meeting us where we are. God, I pray that you would just open our eyes up to the people around us that can speak truth into our lives. God, I pray that you would give us the humility to receive that. And God, I pray that we could be truth tellers for other people in our lives. Because all we want more is more of you in our lives and to follow you and look more like you every day. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.